The best, most effective witnessing tool you could ever use is yourself. When friends and family see the real changes in you, it makes them want to investigate further. Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that introduction. Hello, folks. Glad you made it back. This is Joe Enlo. I am your host, our podcast, God's Love Language. This is our second podcast out of two so far. This is our second part of the introduction. I introduced myself a little bit about, told you a little bit about me, kind of know where I'm coming from, but I want to welcome you to part two. I hope you enjoyed part one. I will have a little bonus at the end of this podcast, sometime or yeah, some time of musical fellowship between you and I. You know, it's just kind of just feeling good get to get you out of any gloomy mood you may be in, or if you're tired, we'll kind of re-energize you. So if you're going to bed, you probably don't want to listen to it, but if you are just waking up or you're working throughout the day and you need a little energizer, then I think it would be good for us. So after Deanna gives our closing comments, it will begin. It will only take approximately three minutes of your time. All right, let me sum up the introduction portion, then we're going to get started. All right, let me explain why we teach the way we do. That is, with the Word of God and explanations of science that help explain human behavior. Because that's my expertise, really, is human behavior. Then I'll explain what I meant by saying that being a Christian is not about you. It started when I was teaching undergraduate psychology classes at Park University there in Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. I taught from 2000 to 2011. I began to realize how many principles of psychology and other sciences like neuropsychology and biology are nothing more than biblical truths in slightly altered form. You know, I would be teaching, and these things would just hit me. The same, the same could be said for other sciences also. There are other things that we talked about in biology and so forth. Sometimes I would even stop in my tracks, you know, and just jot down some notes to myself as I was teaching. <laughs> some of the students kind of thought I was a little nuts. But I'd write it, I'd stop and make a note to myself so I could make sure I get back to that. I have to do that because, you know, I forget the things. Some of the students, like I said, would ask me what was wrong, why I stopped so abruptly. And I would take the opportunity to explain why I stopped. I never wanted to miss an opportunity to share God with them, mostly military students anyway. Keep this in mind as we talk about the sciences of men in Christian setting. Many scientists deny the creator God, and we know that. Ironically, though, their work is dependent upon an implication of his creation. His creation is rational and ordered and predictable. It makes sense. It works according to nature's laws because they're God's laws. If creation were not like this, scientific method itself would not work. Definition of scientific method, let me give that to you for those who don't know what I'm talking about. That's basically the principles and procedures for the systematic pursuit of knowledge that scientists use, involving the recognition and formulation of a problem. Hey, there's a problem here. Uh, how do we figure this out? How, why does this happen? Kind of a cause and effect type thing. 
the collection of data, what happened then, and through observation, our experiment, and then the formulation and testing of their hypothesis would occur. Uh, just trying to prove it or disprove it, and that's basically how it goes. They say they call psychology a soft science because it's hard because if we're studying humans, that in sociology, there's so many variables that are involved with humans that they call us a soft science, or some will even say it's not a science at all. We here at God's Love Language look at psychological premises as well as the science in general as man's way of explaining biblical truths. They don't supersede the truths of God, but they explain them in terms that we can understand as non-theologians. Most psychological premises are works in progress, as are many premises of all sciences. Every year, new discoveries take the place of older ones in each field with the help of modern technology. Probably the best examples are medical practices. Look how far we've come there. And information technology, they say it doubles every year, right? Unbeknownst to these scientists, each new discovery brings them closer to the truths of God. They may not admit it, though. In summary, we believe the Bible, God's Word, is the sole authority on creation and human behavior. Science contributes to our understanding of it because through scientific discoveries, we gain a clearer understanding of God's truths. Any so-called discoveries that attempt to change Scripture are never accepted. Scientific discoveries will validate the truths of the Word of God. That is why we will use some of the truths discovered by the sciences of man. We are, we're not a cult or trying to start one. We're not a new age or progressive-minded to the detriment of the Word. We use the discoveries of the soft and hard sciences to verify the truths of the Bible, the same way that archaeology and geological findings add to the truths of God's Word. Let us now begin our first lesson. Our first move to speaking God's love language is renewing your mind. That requires that you do what the Word says. Renewing your mind involves knowing your place in the grand scheme of things and understanding that you are not a center of the universe. It's not about me. In Robert Pine's book, Humanity and Sin, he has a few statements that capture what I want to get across to you very well. He says it this way. We like to be inspired to do great things but we do not like to be told what things to do. We would rather lead than follow, and we would rather be served than serve. Freedom and submission seem incompatible. He goes on to say, This independent spirit is also expressed in the way we think about God. It is increasingly difficult, even for Christians in our culture, to accept the notions of divine sovereignty and transcendence because God's power seems to compromise our freedom. We think we are accountable only to ourselves. Now let us talk about the statement that I made in part one. It is not about you. It is all about bringing glory to God in all that you think, do, and say. The Word never says this directly, but it's implied, and it talks about what we do that glorifies God. It also says that when we do this, we can get closer relationship with him and fellowship with him, an intimate relationship with God, because he is our creator. He is the one we need to love first. I use this statement, not about you, to motivate me to do this podcast and attend seminary. If my flesh were leading me, I would do neither. I would travel and enjoy my retirement years. But God reminds me that he gave me that phrase to motivate me and to motivate others. 
if you evaluate your life objectively, you will more than likely see that you have always put yourself first. Listen to your statements when you converse with another person or even read them on Facebook or one of the other social media outlets. I challenge you to analyze them all, remembering to evaluate them through the filters of your thinking behind it. What was I thinking when I said that? Behaviors you, you're trying to invoke and the words you use to try and make your point, analyze all of those. The odds are that they will be about seeking your own pleasures or maybe making sure that they seek your advice or listen to your advice. You know, even when you give the advice to another person, you sometimes want them to think like you do. We all do. That is what most of us do. We seek the most gain for ourselves in most situations. There are even mental disorders for those who take it to extremes. Some of the more severe personality disorders, Munchausen syndrome and Munchausen syndrome by proxy, narcissism, and even forms of altruism. Even most marriage counselors will advocate the 50-50 rule that stresses, I did my share now, or what are you going to do for me? Your closest friends are usually the ones that support your self-view. Obviously, they're hanging around you, right? They like the way you think about yourself. You must realize that to get the most of this life and our purpose here, we must learn to be humble in spirit so that God can become the primary focus. Then and only then will your Christianity come to fruition. Now, some of you will say that, well, obeying God for the purpose of gaining blessings on earth and treasures in heaven is also selfish, right? You could even make the argument that the whole reason you became a Christian is for selfish reasons, to escape the torments of hell, right? To this I say yes. Those are rewards and a good reason to motivate yourself to change. But as you change, God's desires become your desires. And those blessings become a secondary gain and an afterthought. After the joyful relationship with our Father we get to experience on earth, they all are an afterthought. Selfish thoughts are a component of free will. Apparently the angels had them, and Satan acted on his and got him and a third of the angels evicted from the presence of God. That is why our love for God is so important to him. We get to choose to love him or not. You choose to love him, you're curtailing your own desires to pursue his. Wow. The word and Jesus promise you good things to come, but it also says that you will be persecuted and hated by some while here on earth. So you will get the bad with the good. Jesus also fought the battle of his desires with doing the will of the Father, and thank God he did choose to do the will of the Father. The relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit changes your heart and make it all worth it. Amen? We will go into this later in some of our teachings, but just understand Many of life's struggles have at their core a skewed sense of self-entitlement. If we understand why God created the world and why it operates the way it does, including the concepts of good and evil, then we can have a clearer understanding of our role as Christians. God has a plan. God's purpose in creation is clear. He made everything for his glory. You can find supporting scriptures for this in Psalm 19.1, Isaiah 43.7, and Revelation 4.11. And in this sense, all creation is first and foremost theocentric. There's a seminary word for you, or about God. The great philosophical questions that address 
why we were created and for what purpose are simply answered to glorify God, to bring us back to God. At the garden, we lost it. Now we get to choose to bring it back. We chose to lose it. Now we get to choose to bring it back. If we understand the answers to the questions, then we can live a fulfilling and effective Christian life. Wayne Grudem has a book, Systematic Theology, and he says, fullness of joy is found in knowing God and delighting in the excellence of his character. Now, if you believe this, starting like, start acting like it. Dwell on it. Then you will start behaving differently. Then thinking differently. Then growing in your experience, intensity of fellowship with God. That is how it begins. God gave us free will as part of our created nature. That means never having seen God in person, never having been there to witness the miraculous events of the Old and New Testament, yet you obey his commands. Remember, even Jesus said to God, not my will, but yours be done. He had a will when praying to him. Free will had to be part of God's plan to have a people that genuinely genuinely love him and want to serve him willingly. God is love, and true love includes free will. Imagine dragging your spouse kicking and screaming against his or her will into your marriage. Get in there. Would that be love or kidnapping? God did not want a people that are pre-programmed to love him, nor does he want a people who are forced to love him. He could have made those type of people. What could that, would that have done? He wants his people, when presented choices, they still choose to love and obey. In return, we get the blessings that go with that relationship. God is love. God wants to be loved, and he wants to reward that love. Nothing pleases him more. Without God, there is no such thing as love. Humans are made in the image of the creator God, and apart from him, you will never fully experience your reason for existence, and you will never experience the true meaning of love. If God is love, what is a love language? Why do we say God's love language? There are many definitions out there. This is ours. It is a method of communicating with someone under the purest of intentions of unselfish love that you know is the best way to meet their desires. Before the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, we communicated directly with God and had a relationship that included daily fellowship with him that was lost by our disobedience to his instructions. Ever since that event, we have been trying to recuperate that love and intimacy we had with our Maker and God. That is part of the reason we can bounce from relationship to relationship. We take drugs or get involved in groups that are detrimental to our lives. We are searching for the part of us that is missing, that relationship and fellowship with God that only He can fulfill. He created us, and we need our Creator. He has a specific design and plan for us, all of us, every one of you. And we can only access it through a relationship with Him. Without that relationship, we are like wanderers, forever seeking, never reaching our destiny. Once you realize you need Him, that you need to be redeemed, you call out and respond to Him by receiving His gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. He then wants to build a relationship which leads to fellowship with him. What is the best way to do this once you become a Christian? You first need to speak his language, and God's love language is obedience to his will through your faith in him. Faith saves you, and your obedience to his will 
is your faith in action after salvation. Romans 6, 16 and 17 says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that through that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. That's from the New American Standard Bible. We will show you, we will show how the love, the grace, and mercy of God will permeate your life when God is the primary focus. C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing apart from God. God's love language is obedience to his word. The Ten Commandments are also a definition of God's love and his call for obedience, the very first call for obedience, if I remember correctly, at least in writing. Take a look at it. John 15, where Jesus is talking to believers, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now think about how, as parents, we would love to have our children love and obey us this way, right? What would you do for them if they did? I guess the better question would be, what would you not do for them? Our teachings will take or will make clear how to begin living for God. As humans, we do not desire to please God. We seek after our own pleasures in this world. We do it all the time. Even Christians struggle with this, even mature Christians. It is only after we are saved by Jesus that we no longer live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16, Paul tells us the difference of living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. In 16 it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 17, For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law now the deeds of the flesh are evident which are immorality impurity sensuality debauchery excessive indulgence and sensual pleasures idolatry sorcery strife jealousy outbursts of anger disputes dissensions factions Envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another envying one another. Even so-called Christians can do some of those bad things. But usually, if you're really into all those things, the bad parts of them, maybe you really didn't make that decision to begin with. If you do those things, you thought you were a Christian, well, just rededicate yourself and let's start over. Paul was talking to believers in the church. 
there was a lot of bickering going on in Galatia when he was writing to squelch it. I think some of these people could have benefited from this podcast. The point is, we cannot please God on our own. We will struggle to obey him if we operate in the flesh. We will begin our quest by realizing we were bought with a price. We must seek the help of the Holy Spirit to change our ways. Today, you must begin, brothers and sisters. This is not a dress rehearsal. We are in this for real, and we must seize the time. Tomorrow is not promised by God. Become strong in your faith as you give glory to God. Being convinced that God can do what he has promised, Romans 4.20. The best, most effective witnessing tool you could ever use is yourself. When your friends and family see the real changes in you, it makes them want to investigate further. Colossians 3, 9 through 11 says, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Now, We have a basic understanding why we were created, to love God and obey his commandments so that he and the work of Jesus can be glorified through our relationship with him, with each other, with others. Yes, we can have joyful intimacy with God here on earth. We have reached the end of today's podcast. After Deanna tells you how to get in touch with us, there will be a short music fellowship period in which I hope to energize you. Hope to get motivated and start your day off right. If you had a bad day, maybe it will help you shift your thoughts into a positive frame of reference. If you do not need this, please feel free to turn us off after the closing information. Please do not do anything I ask if your doctor has advised against it. Do not close your eyes if you're driving and do not move your arms if you are holding a hot beverage. Let us have some fun, enjoy some good music, and brighten up our day with thankfulness to God. Now, may God bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you. Thank you for your time. Deanna will now tell you how to reach us. Remember, I'm going to add a little time of fellowship after she is finished. You may have never done anything like this on a religious podcast before, but I think it's time to break out of the old mode. And remember, we're going to help you in the next ep- uh, podcast. We're going to start talking about how to renew yourself and what are some of the blockages. Deanna? Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com, or you may email Joe at jnlo at GodsLoveLanguage.com. Okay, it's time for a little music therapy. Come on. Can't feel bad if you're feeling good. Move them shoulders up and down. There you go. Got to exercise. Get some endorphins going. Here we go. Praise you, Lord. We thank you for music. Thank you for the gift of music. Lord, brighten our day. Help us recuperate from our day. We love you, Lord. We praise you. Wave your hands up in the air, God. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for your plan. Thank you.
Thank you that we're redeemed. You're glorious. We praise you. We lift you up. We magnify your holy name. Yes, sing a little bit. Sing to him. Thank you, Lord. feel good blink your eyes if that's all you can do don't close your eyes if you're driving move your shoulders back and forth there you go move that body get the blood flowing move them legs get up and dance if you can just move and just sway back and forth don't be afraid make the people wonder what is he doing or what is she doing thank you lord we thank you for my brothers and sisters Thank you for the listeners. Thank you that you give me this ministry. Thank you for music, Lord God. Rub and shoulders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining me. Praise God.